Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Irregular Bitches, the midlife podcast that aims to unravel the knotted necklace of our lives using whatever is available, talcum powder, friendships, supplements, drugs, legal ones, and if all else fails, gin. I'm Sarah Kaywood and my co-host is the wonderful Louise Mitchell, who I borrowed off my best friend and now I can't seem to get rid of. Or rather, she can't get rid of me. <laughs> How are you, Lou? Charming. Not, no, 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 it's not true as well. You can't get rid of me. I roped you in. I reeled you in. I don't, I don't like letting people go. And actually, I will be talking to our guest today about that either, because she's a collector of people too. Very much so. How are you, babe? I'm fine. I'm just trying to imagine if I have ever used talcum powder. No, have you not used talcum powder? Never you, in my you, life. Okay, so... It's a bit of That's a niche. an old lady thing, surely. It's a niche reference, but if you ever get a knot in a chain, if you, I saw Ben Shepherd do this on Good Morning Britain years ago, and if you put it, or on this morning, if you put the necklace in a little plastic bag and a bit of talcum powder and rub it round, then when you take it out, you can unknot it really easily with a pin. There you go. Joyful. I love life, that. Life hacks with Kaywood. <laughs> otherwise, oh, you know, I've been a bit overwhelmed this uh, last You have? You've weeks, not been I? good, have you, Ben? I know. I disappeared off the face of the earth. I know why it is. It's because I'm being pulled in every direction by other people. So I haven't been master of my own destiny probably mm. this year. And therefore, I don't know what you guys do, but when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I don't look at my emails and I don't open any letters oh do you digital detox i can't i get anxiety if i do that i don't i don't i'm doing it deliberately to try and shut everything down but what is not good because obviously it means i'm not in touch with um with what's going on anyway i've done that and i've also had a bit of a fallout with a friend a good friend Uh, well yeah well i mean i've i've i think it's the i think it's the pandemic we'll talk about this a bit later anyway but i think it's a pandemic i I also think it was you that told me when i fell out with my friend Mm. only a few weeks ago that just because you've been friends with somebody for a long time doesn't mean they have to right. be a friend for life, all right? Anyway. Right, and I'm checking in with myself as to whether I'm okay with it or not. And I'm still in the, oh, this is sort of, this is very sad, but actually I don't like you very much. Also, That's the, u- the, the universe, <laughs> I'll see if Fern agrees with this in a second. I'm going to give her a big intro. But the universe, I think, removes people that, that no longer serve you. That's what I think. Cause I I've believe that. Because I've a few people recently, and when I've yeah. looked back at the friendship and the trajectory it was going on, not always their fault, sometimes very much me, but mm. it wasn't serving either of us. And so circumstances stepped in anyway that's for later our guest today is a tv presenter radio dj and podcaster who's bringing her mental health expertise to the world with her happy place brand one lunar cycle at a time she's also a wonderful friend who walked into my life 20 years ago don't want to make you feel old babe sorry when we hosted her cbbc show together uh, it can only be the fc to my sc forgotten oh, hi guys I 20 actually, years what the I, hell i think 
that you are well on your way to being a national treasure. Oh, yeah. that's very kind. I don't know about that, but I I'll think you take will. it. You will be. I reckon by the time you're 50, you will be properly national treasure status. Babe, that's only 10 years away. That's <laughs> not know. long. I think I need longer, <laughs> please. Uh, um, I'm only about four months away from that milestone, babe. And it's well behind me. Oh, only a couple of years. I know, it's bonkers, isn't it? So yeah, 20 years I had to work it out this morning to do the intro. I remember the first day I met you so clearly because before we did this TV show called The Shots, whoever was producing it, was, was it the BBC or ITV? I it can't was CBBC. CBBC. So we, they sort of put on a small dinner so that I could meet you. I already knew Steve, who is the other presenter, yeah. and, um, and just for us all to sort of hang out. And I remember being like, just in awe of you, like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. And because you were doing the, you'd done the girly show, which I was a huge fan of. I was like, oh my gosh, she's just so awesome and cool. And I'm such a little saddo kids TV presenter. And I remember having that dinner so specifically. And then many great adventures followed <gasps> that. Oh, and I was just telling Lou before we came on and I, I've got to touch on it again because I don't know if you remember because obviously we're going to be talking a lot about spirituality and and things happening for a reason, what have you. But do you remember when you had been, I think you'd snogged this guy that you quite liked. This was, I mean, this was donkey's years ago. And we were talking about him. We were together in San Diego. I think you were there working. I think I'd gone on holiday. And we bumped he, into him. And he walked onto the beach. And we were like, oh my God, this is it the weirdest thing. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> He was being a bit non-communicative, yeah. which there As was a are. real pattern of in my life. <laughs> and um, and I was like, oh, God, but I really like him. La, la. Anyway, we were literally laying on the beach. I think I was sort of half blacked out, hung over, sort of dribbling, and then felt this shadow looming over me. And it was him. And I was like, I in mean, the middle of San Diego on a random beach. I mean, it was what are the chances? The bizarrest thing. And then there Mental. was another night. Actually, I had just met Andy because he was with us. So it was probably the first time Fern ever met Andy. And we all, um, this is such a showbiz story. I'm so sorry. Um, clanging name drops everywhere now. But we went to the Soho House in West Hollywood. There was me, Fern, a couple of your friends and production oh, Rebecca team. and Dylan, maybe. Oh, Rebecca and Dylan. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. one of Fern's old school friends. That was the first time I met um, Dylan, who's now Rebecca's husband. Yeah. And then and Andy was there with his mate Chris. We walked in. The Kings of Leon were in there. Yeah. Muse were in there. Oh, um, Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson was in there. And and the next day I rang. We were all drinking espresso martinis. The next day I rang Fern and went, how are you? And she was like, I'm fine, except for the really bad head and the $600 bar bill. She picked it up. Bless I know. her. Do you remember I felt that? Well, the thing is, I didn't know I'd done it at the time. <laughs> Obviously, I have a real inner altruistic sort of button that clicks in, but I hadn't realised I'd paid it. And then the next day I woke up and went, what on earth is this receipt in my wallet? <laughs> I mean, I'd probably paid for Kate Hudson's drinks unknowingly. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you probably did. Oh, oh anyway, they were really... They were fun days. I'm so boring now. Oh, no, I embrace oh. the ball. You're not boring. You, we're just older. Can you imagine doing that now? We'd look like absolute idiots. We would, but it would be quite fun. <laughs> it would be quite fun. I can't, well, I can't take the hangovers anymore. No, uh, I can't. I can't no. take the drinking in the first place. No. Um, <laughs> if you do Google Fern Cotton Sarah Kaywood naughties, then you'll see... Please some... don't. <laughs> Please don't. The so outfits doing that. are... I can't... <laughs> Epic. Work them out. I don't. There's no logic behind them. I feel a slightly queasy feeling looking at them. My outfits were so bad in that era. I I can only blame 
Alcohol. I mean, I don't know what other reasons put behind no, it. They it, were awful. I don't think the 90s were actually much better than the noughties for fashion. I think you look fine. You just look really, no. you look like a teenager. And you no. say so you were just, tw- what were you? Just 20? Embarrassingly so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, ha- I was an adult, but wearing horrendous, ill choosing of clothing. I mean, awful outfits. Don't look. Please don't look. Don't okay. Google them. Um, low rise jeans are coming back, by the way, girls. Oh, no. Not for me, they're not. Me neither. <laughs> I'm sticking with my mum jeans. Where yes, am I going to tuck everything? I can't have it hanging over the top. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not talking about the clothes. I'm talking about the overhang. Where do I tuck that? Irregular. Bitches. So, Fern, we know that you're probably not quite into the perimenopause, menopause, maelstrom just yet, but we really wanted you on as a guest because actually um, the happy place message is so, so important. And now more than ever, I'm so pleased that I'm reading all the books that you've got out and what have you, because my my midlife hormones are raging and, you know, peace and harmony can become a bit of a distant memory. So I don't think I've ever asked you this, but how did you conceive the idea? Because it's, what is it, been six years now? Or is it longer? Yeah, uh, yeah, about that. I don't know, really. I guess I didn't really conceive the idea. It, it was all sort of completely accidental because I'd come out of a very traditional broadcasting era for for years and years from sort of the age of 15. Mm -hmm. And then in my late 20s, everything sort of went a bit pear-shaped for me mentally and sort of circumstantially some stuff going on that was really tricky. And, um, And I kind of just knew that I couldn't really do all the stuff that I used to do, um, mainly because I didn't feel like I could sort of cope with a lot of it and just the relentless commentary you have doing that sort of stuff you know thrust upon you um and so that's when I wrote the the book happy mm. which was just sort of like I was just having a go at it I was just like, I'll give it a go and see mm. how it is writing down some very honest things rather than people just knowing because you know before that I don't think people had much of an idea as to who I was or what I was about and that's you know that's very normal in that industry because you're you're there to entertain people so then you know writing the book was the first time I could be just me and not worry too Mm. much about entertaining people and um and that sort of accidentally led to then you know it was right at the sort of beginning after I'd written happy that me and the team that I work with were discussing podcasts and they weren't particularly popular then there were some Mm. brilliant people doing them but the first few guests I asked to be on, the their answer was, what's a podcast? Mm. And I was like, don't Amazing. worry, I'm just going to chat to you and it will go out. Yeah. And a lot of people questioned me doing that. You know, why you were doing like the biggest radio show. Why are you doing a podcast? Who's going to listen to that? And I sort of didn't really care at that point. I just wanted to try new stuff. Mm. Um, so luckily I took a chance at the right time and the rest all just sort of, you know, snowballed from there with the festival and the publishing imprint that we're doing now and the other stuff that we're working on this year so it all just sort of happened by accident because I was up for doing something new and I'm really starting again I really had to start again because I didn't know what I was doing I didn't have a skill set in a lot of the things that I'm doing now Mm. so it's very humbling at times Um, and it's been a lot of work but I've loved all of it 
Was it really? I was actually. You've kind of answered the last three questions that I was going to ask because I was like interested to know how scared you were starting right. something complete, like leaving. Like TV, if you're you would have continued to work. I think you would have just continued rolling work. People, you're fantastically normal on the TV. Um, so just to walk away from that security must have been terrifying, actually. Well, I have to be really honest. <clears throat> it was sort of both. You know, I also wasn't asked as much. Like you're saying, you know, I would have kept doing shows I don't know if I would have I I don't know sometimes I I feel I've had a really weird relationship with TV like when I was a kid I did loads of it and as a teenager and in my 20s and then as soon as I started doing radio I think people kind of I don't know it was harder for me to be placed on TV or I wasn't I don't know I'm not really sure what it was but I felt there wasn't a huge demand for me to Mm. be on TV. So I also wanted to have a plan B, quite frankly, because that was the scarier thing. But I think, you know, there were moments of being scared, but that was only because my ego was piping up going, you're going to be irrelevant. You'll never work again. People will forget about you. And it's just all ego based stuff that we all wrestle with. I could recognise what it was. So that helped. And then I just sort of focused on doing things that made me feel good and more importantly safe because I don't think I felt particularly safe in a lot of those other jobs because it was it's such a harsh environment which sounds dramatic and whatever no, but, it, it, but is it is horrible. it's, it's sort like of fucking swimming with sharks you've said that Sarah yeah. you've said how unsafe you found it <laughs> I used to say I'd, I'd give it all up for a husband, for the right man and a family yep. I'd, mm. give, I'd give it up in a heartbeat and I have to remind myself sometimes when I'm cleaning dirty underpants that this is what I wanted all along yeah yeah (laughs) yeah because it is it's it's really full-on and it's full-on mentally to process it all and the sort of competitive nature and how utterly disposable you are as a human being with a skill set or whatever it is that you deem to be your thing you're utterly disposable and you have to really get your head around that and I don't think I ever did I always well, I still do take rejection quite badly. Mm. Um, so I've kind of created something, I guess, where I can't be sacked. Yeah. yeah. It's your baby. I can't imagine for both of you being in that industry, because obviously I wasn't. I've been given the label, um, and I noted this in your book, Ferner, for being oversensitive. I was given that label of being oversensitive. And I, I am sensitive, but I don't think there's such, such a thing as oversensitive. And I cannot imagine being so exposed and people having such an easy ability to be able to criticise what I am doing. And I can't imagine how I would be able to walk through life with what you guys have done. Yeah, I still find it hard now, you know. And right. I, I don't want to sound dramatic. People have far, far worse situations, but I'm being real about it. I can only be honest right. about mm. my own life because that's the only life that I know yeah. intimately. And I find it very difficult having on mass commentary. And also, I've got a real personal bugbear with people getting me wrong like misunderstanding who I am as a person which is a huge ask for me to think that strangers could ever completely understand me because we know they think they do fern that's the problem that's what you're up against that's what you are up against and you know and it is a lot to ask because we barely know our partners or our parents you know because there's so many bits that you don't see or you don't understand Mm. or you don't hear cognitively so it's it can be a bit frustrating, but I've had to sort of let quite a lot of that go and not worry as much. Otherwise, you'd just literally drive yourself mad, which, you know, at times I have. But um, mm. I am very sensitive, but I 
I that's how I am. I'm open-hearted. Right. I'm up for being there for other people, listening to other people's stories. Um, I walk around quite open. I'm not like clothes, thick skin, mm. armor on. I don't want to be like that. So I mm. have to take the the sort of the more difficult parts of of that option of walking around being quite an open person who's willing to interact with different people and you know experience mm. different things in life. So yeah, I'm sensitive, but that, I'll always be like that. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. Don't ever. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Change. Do you read read comments? Because I think you do. Sometimes. Because you, yeah, because often I'll see the, because I, um, so this is just where I've always been a bit of, sort of felt like a bit of a protective big sister. And sometimes I'll go through them and check that nobody's having a pop at you. Mm. And I won't get Mm. involved, but I'll just be like, because I know, because I know how much it upsets you. Yeah. And um, and then I'll see that sometimes, especially somebody will have a pop at you and you'll be so measured and calm and kind in your response. And I'm just going, fucking twat! (laughs) Fucking wanker! Leave her alone! I've learned, I've learned to like use those comments to teach me stuff. So like, I'll give you an example the other day. And again, you know, you cannot expect everybody to like what you're saying and doing. Mm. You know, it's inevitable. And it's other people have got lots of stuff going on. And when you're in the public eye, you're a very easy target for people to let that stuff out. So this wasn't even a particularly mean comment, but someone the other day was sort of had a problem with me putting a video up where I was just observing things about life I'm not ever coming from a sort of didactic mm. angle so I'm I'm not you know trained and she yeah. wanted to point that out like I have a real hard time listening to you because you're not an expert you're not qualified in this area and I didn't comment back because I just thought you know I don't know enough about the person or what they're going through or whatever and I just sat with it for a day because I felt really uncomfortable because it obviously you know, gave me a kick in the gut in my own insecurities. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not trained. But I do have the opportunity to write books and talk to people en masse. Is that okay? And I really toyed with it and, like, struggled with it. And I sort of just came to the peaceful conclusion that I have a right to talk about life because I'm a human and I am living. Mm. And I'm not telling people how to live or even really giving advice. I'm only ever sort of sharing stories and really Mm. my passion is sharing other people's stories because there's only so much waffling on I can do. I want to share interesting other lives. That's what the Happy Place platform is all about. Mm. But it sort of made me feel foolish for a minute and really insecure. 
And then I just thought, well, what am I going to learn from this? You know, okay, well, there are some people that aren't going to like that and that's okay. But I still do believe deep down, when I dig really deep down, that I do um, I do have some good work to do here, sharing honest views of my life and other people's to help other people. You know, that's the point of me doing it. I don't think it, you so. have to have a qualification for that. I think you have no. to have life. You, a, you've spoken to a lot of experts, and we'll just come on to that in just a second. Um, but B, it's University of Life, isn't it? And I don't. you don't have to have initials after your name to be to be full of good advice, I'm sorry. By the way, what does didactic mean? Thank you. Well, (laughs) to, like, with an educate, like, to teach others, to to inform and teach and guide others in a a sort of educational way, I'm not, that's never my standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm an avid learner. I'm a, I am didn't do much at school because I was already working, so I've dedicated the last six years of my life to learning everything I can and studying every element of, mental health or whatever it is spirituality um that that's all I do you know I I I have chosen that path I would rather do that than go out drinking or go out for dinner I read every day every night I'm constantly talking to new people I'm an avid learner I'm trying to imbibe as much as I can so I I would hope that I'm never speaking from a place that is um completely naive or deluded because I'm I, I'm, I've got a good perspective now of lots of different things from dedicating my life to learning. So I'm, you know, I'm doing all I can as a working mum and, you know, in my situation. And um, that will have to be enough for now. You're ever so wise. You're 10 years younger than me, but you're kind of 20 years older. I, I'm, I'm not always, you know, I do have moments of absolute freak out and don't deal well with mm. things. But I think when I can talk in a measured way like this, it actually helps me because it reminds me that... You know, I'm doing my best. We're all doing our best, mm. aren't we? That's all we can do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Irregular bitches. Can can we talk about meditation? Yeah. Because I'm a hypnotherapist, so that is essentially meditation. So when I'm working with my clients, I'm very lucky because I am self-meditating. They said self-medicating. Self-meditating <laughs> as, as I work. Yeah. Self-medicate on quietly while they're not around. Um, so I wondered how you were getting on because in your book, you obviously are, are very clear about what a journey is for you and sometimes a challenge, you know, you're honest about that. So I just wondered how you are at the moment with your meditation. Yeah, I've, I've fallen off the wagon again for sure. Um, I give myself loopholes where... I love walking, so I'm going on a walk later and I'll just not take a phone and use it as a sort of Perfect. meditative walk. Um, sometimes I'll do guided meditations where if I have, you know, a bit of time, even when the kids have gone to bed, I sometimes do that. But I know I would benefit massively from a more daily practice. I think it's a combination of, like most parents finding it like where is this time that I meant to do it which Mm. means we need to do it more but also Mm. I have a really um overactive mind that Mm. gets a massive kick out of multitasking creating like I get on a huge high when I'm writing or painting sometimes painting can be quite meditative as well but yeah but I I don't have like a a rigid practice and I I think I would benefit from it um, like I know it would make me just much 
a much calmer, more measured person. Why am I not doing it more? I am. I, I'm. Other days, because I've had been struggling, had struggled with my menopausal mental health recently. And I, I went on some antidepressants, which have been revolutionary. And I, d- I really didn't want to, but I, it wasn't that I needed a quick fix. I just needed the fog a breather yeah I, I needed to be able to get on with like I, I wasn't doing I wasn't creating I wasn't getting I wasn't being productive um but now that I'm feeling better I can get up early again and so I do it in the morning but I can't get up early every day because I get too tired so I probably only do it about twice a week but the days when I do it girls is they are immeasurably always good days yeah. so why aren't I prioritizing doing it every day I don't know. I think I've got, you know, I I am a bit of a doing addict. Like I feel mm. like I can't be happy unless I'm constantly doing. And that's not about achieving because sometimes I'll write just for me or I'll paint and no one will see it. It's more the process of creating that I'm addicted to. So when I have to pause, I find it a bit of a battle. I don't want to. I don't want to stop. I want to mm. go and do something else or write an idea down or brain brainstorm something. So I I know that I need to get a bit more balance with that, but it's so tempting when you've got an idea or or you, or you just want to like mull over something. I I get a bit obsessed with with that, which is, you know, means I I do a lot in my day, which is great. I'm very grateful I've got a lot of energy to create, but I don't counterbalance it too well. But also, I think we perhaps need to reframe the whole meditation thing. It's not, I mean, I listen to Headspace and I don't think, Fern, I know you do yoga. I know you paint. I know you go running. I know you go walking. All of those things are meditative. That's four things. You're probably doing at least one of those every single day. Yeah. Don't you agree, Lou? That is absolutely my point, that it doesn't have to be, I have to lie down in, you know, in a a dark space with nobody around me. The house is quiet. It doesn't have to be count my breaths. (laughs) It can literally be, I'll be dog walking, painting. All of those are opportunities to meditate without having to say to yourself, right now it's time for me to meditate. And also, and and I know also from the book, stop telling yourself off for having thoughts when you meditate. I know. That's normal. Everyone <laughs> else is. So, girls, I've got a question for both of you now. Um, Bigger Than Us has really made me question what, how spiritual am I? Where is my spirituality? For a long time, I thought I was an atheist recently. And I didn't used to be because Fern knows when I was younger, I was very pagan. And I still take a lot from that, which is similar to Buddhism. Um, but then I'm also a bit agnostic. I'm a bit humanist. So I don't really know who I am, on my, and, I, and I'm still on my spiritual journey. C- can I ask both of you, what, what if anything, do you know uh, are you? If I, not, You don't have to, I mean... I yeah. don't think you have to know. I think that's no, the exciting are. thing about it, and that was what the book was about, really, is for all of those people out there who have felt something connective where you know you're not just a human bobbing about and then you die you can't Mm. necessarily explain that or put reason or meaning behind it but you felt it it could be listening to a song it could be meeting someone it could be just you know looking at some beautiful flowers when you're out walking or whatever but you felt something on a visceral like a cellular level you felt it Mm. Um, but you don't have a name for it and you don't have a particular doctrine that you feel you have to follow and Mm. you don't have rules or particular rituals that you do and I think it's really interesting learning about you know lots of different uh, cultures and and um, and areas of spirituality I don't talk about religion in the book because 
I feel that's quite complicated and it also mm. brings a whole other thing into it that I didn't feel um, I was educated enough it's in, quite divisive, frankly. Actually. It is. And, mm. and the whole point I feel and of personal. spirituality yeah. is for it to be all-encompassing, completely accessible to everybody. It's just being a human and waking up in the day, in the in the morning, and then working out how you want to see life and, and the world around you. And that's not to aim to be this sort of enlightened, virtuous person who only thinks pure thoughts or whatever. Like, that's where I think it gets a bit toxic and we feel like we're tripping up. You know, like this weekend, I felt like I was getting everything wrong. I terrible mm. thoughts about people and road rage and I was Relating. snappy with my kids <laughs> and, you know, like all the usual stuff. But that doesn't yeah. make me... You know, I'm still a spiritual being trying my best to figure out what the hell this life is all about. So I don't even, I don't know what I am and I don't mind. And I take great interest in lots of different practices and um, and very global sort of thinking in terms of how we can feel at one and connected. I just don't have the language for it a lot of the time. That's That's my point. I don't label it. I don't have a label for it. I don't. I don't assign myself to anything in particular. But I certainly don't judge anybody for for how they feel. And I, I you know, I can understand some of the Buddhist sentiment, for example. But I can also understand some of the Christian. And I, I don't label it. So that makes my life much simpler. I think irregular bitches. I wanted to say as well because I know and Firm will have been on the receiving end of this. And I've and and, and Andy, sorry, I know you're editing this, babe, but I'm, I'm just it's the elephant in the room with us. Andy's proper atheist. It's like you are worm food. You are here. He's very Richard Dawkins about it, but he's also a bit kinder than Richard Dawkins. So I think sometimes thrusts his humanist onto people the way some other people can be zealots about other stuff. And I'm just like live and let live, man. Yeah. Have another doobie and chill the fuck out. Anyway, um, so for the people who are eye rolling and going, oh, it's all woo woo bollocks, there is stuff that everybody can take away, Fern, isn't there? Everybody. Yeah. What works for mental health, like for, for our midlife women who might be struggling, what would you say works if they're proper, like scientists, atheists, they're not spiritual in any way, shape or form, but there will be concrete things that even the scientific community believe can help with your mental health? Yeah, well, first of all, and and this doesn't, you know, include science in the conversation whatsoever, but aren't we all looking for like a bit of magic? And I say that in a sort of, not in a Disney kind of like sort of saccharine sweet way, but aren't we all hoping or like that feeling we had as kids that where things felt a bit magical if you were lucky enough to have a trauma-free childhood those moments of very simple magic that most of us were lucky enough to experience not with huge events but just little things like watching bugs on the floor or Mm. going to the seaside and seeing crabs or you know something that felt very magical I'm still searching for that now And I'm not going to find that by like following this rule book or living a sort of rigid life. I need to believe in something else to have hope and faith in humanity and the experience that we're having here. And I want to experience moments of magic. And most of those have come from that mindset, whether it's you know, we've all got intuition and, you know, I'm sure we could all pluck out several anecdotes that back that up where you've had something that felt a bit 
spooky happen. Like you mm. saw it coming, you felt it or mm. a vision or a feeling or whatever. Like it's for me, that is all out there and available whenever we want it. The feeling of connection, the feeling of magic, the feeling of something else. If we're completely shut off to that, I think it's much easier to fall into, you know, very low moods or anxiety or panic. Like, you know, the last couple of weeks, my husband's been away. I've found life very overwhelming, juggling the kids and work and trying to fit all my work into the school hours and just dealing with like kids waking up in the night and just total exhaustion that I've, I have been very shut off to that more expansive mindset because I'm just going, oh my God, I need to do the PE kit for tomorrow and then this and that. And it all just feels like time's running away with me because mm. I haven't given myself any space to go, but wait, like where are the little magic bits? Where's, mm. where's my belief in that stuff? Because if it's not there, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So I think if you do open up to that sort of stuff a bit more and open up to positive things happening and magical things happening and yeah. beautiful unexpected moments where you don't have to struggle and strive they were just beautiful gifts from the universe whatever language you want to use i think you'll all like everyone will feel better for that for having that willingness that mindset so you know it's not like I'm in it all the time as I just said I've had a couple of weeks where I have not been in that mindset whatsoever Mm. and I know that I need to get back to thinking more in that way because it feels a lot nicer and nicer things are visible to me available Mm. to me it's not like they're happening more I can just see them a lot easier it's hard that it is practice it's it's all about the neural pathways and that is science isn't Mm -hmm. it you've got to retrain them and sometimes it's hard but just very briefly at Christmas time, I sometimes get so caught up with the magic that I believe myself. Yeah. I so do. I actually, I literally like, oh my God, I'm really excited. And I get so excited and I be, and I become a believer. So See, that's, that's it. The magic. But that's the same feeling, like <laughs> believing in Love all it. that Christmas magic, but believing in like life magic, that things, you know, I'm sure everybody listening to this has had a moment where the right person turned up at the right time or the right Mm -hmm. person texted Mm -hmm. you at the right time or an opportunity came out of the blue or you just saw something incredible in nature that you weren't expecting, you know, a beautiful Mm. heron flying by your window or something. You know, we've all had those moments and I do believe that they're there all the time. But don't forget, we are constantly bombarded with negative news. News, the connotation that we... That, that news has is negative. We don't think news means positive, but news is a neutral word. But mm. we've got so used to it being, oh God, the news, it's terrible, it's so awful. And yes, obviously, there's always going to be pe- people out there that are in pain, that are lashing out and taking it out on everybody else on a global level, on a tiny level in your own community, in your family. That's probably always going to exist. But in equal measures, there's amazing, beautiful, brilliant, miraculous, gorgeous things happening. We just don't hear about them. So Mm. we don't think that we think that that's foolish or whimsical or, oh, yeah, it's all right for you or whatever. It's like, no, I don't believe that. I think that like look at nature, you know, look in your own window box if you've got one or your garden, if you're lucky enough to have one or your local park. It's all happening. There's all Mm -hmm. the wisterias out at the moment. It's spring. (gasps) We're not telling the wisteria to come out. It just comes out bright purple, gorgeous, drippy, lovely wisteria. And it's like, that's just happening. Stuff like that's happening all the time, everywhere. We're just so used to only focusing on the negative, the Mm. arguments, the conflict, the wars, things that obviously need attention so we can find solutions, but not 
only giving our attention to that. Like we yeah. have to see the good stuff. Otherwise, what is the point of being here? What is right. the point? Yeah, absolutely. My kids met moment recently was probably meeting Lou, actually. That's <gasps> so gorgeous. How yeah. lovely. Ooh. Definitely, but I'm sitting here. Don't start me off. <laughs> oh, God, she'll cry at anything these days. That's so that. lovely. But it's true. It's like, we, and I really, and what we want to do, what you're doing with Happy Place, we really want to make a difference because, honestly, Fern, like, in 10 years, you're, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll find this really useful to navigate yeah. your way through perimenopause and mm. menopause with a bit of a smile on your face because it can be a bit, we always say this, can be a bit dry. Yeah, you know, mm, no totally. pun intended or pun intended. Yeah. Um, but uh, but for me, I think um, the things that I rely on, like when I'm, like I'm the part of the reason that I took a shortcut to the meds actually, and I'm a little bit upset with myself, but I had so much work on that I had simply, like you say, get gotten out of writing my gratitudes and being mindful and the meditation. And those three things for me are the things that keep the wolf from the door. But you've got to do them. You can't you can't say them and you've got to get it out there. You've got to write it down and 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 it's and I get it, it's hard for all of us. We've all got yep. either young kids or teenagers and jobs or more than one job or three jobs. You know, it life is expensive, the news is bad, all of that stuff, but you've just got to try and climb out of it and, you know, it's not a rehearsal, is it? I used to say that all the time. It's not a rehearsal. And, you know, I lost a friend of mine last year. She was 33. And I just Shit. think, do you know what I mean? I just mm. think, fuck. You yeah. know, she used to say to me, just grab it with both horns, Sarah, you know, because you don't know whether when it will get taken away from you. You don't. Ooh. It's terrifying. Yeah. No shame in taking meds, love. No. No, I know. And we've None. said that. And I don't want any, because actually a lot of people messaged me after I said, and and few of my friends around here in Essex and a few people online as well and said, oh, they've been transformative. And actually, I mm. just think to get you out of your, for me, I wasn't depressed. And that's the thing. People, I don't like the words antidepressant because I wasn't depressed. Mm. My marriage is, is great. You know, my life is lovely. I'm so, I'm one of the luckiest people alive. I, I feel very blessed. But I felt overwhelmed. And I think if you, this podcast, the three of us, if they did that thing where you choose the word that got used the most, I bet it would be overwhelmed. Yeah, I think we're all totally mm. and utterly overwhelmed by life because I think about this all the time. Like a hundred years ago, say our great grandparents or grandparents' lives, they were nowhere near as complicated as this. They Not were even harder our parents, in ways. Fern. No, Not even no, our exactly. Like they were harder in ways and. You know, like, obviously, there was a, a, my family are all from London, and 100 years ago, poverty was rife. I mean, obviously, we still have a lot of poverty in this country, but it was rife in London back then. And it was a very difficult time for people. But the amount we're trying to do in comparison to our ancestors or just a few generations away I think they would look at us and think we were absolutely mad. Like, mm. what the hell are you... D why are you doing all this stuff? Like, what What are you doing? Like, even my... Fr mm. I've got a friend called Bonnie who lives in Ibiza and she's in her 70s. And she says to me constantly, like, what you, how are you doing all this stuff? I don't get it. Like, what are you doing? And to me, I think, well, I'm used to it. It's, I completely manage this. And then I know that at times like this weekend, I don't because I was useless this weekend and I bet you were well I, you know what I can say that I was I don't think I was a great mum I was you know not as patient as I would like to be I was you know I I, I wasn't well, you're not perfect it wasn't even perfect I was quite <laughs> awful at it this week I felt honestly like I'm totally getting this I felt like a kid 
Like, I'm not, I don't have the tools yeah. to do this. I don't Why am I in charge? Yeah. yeah how, how is this, like, what am I doing? And then you go, oh my God, I'm going to impact them so badly. They're going to be in therapy down the line. Like, all those thoughts. <laughs> do you let you them have, do you let them have, because what I do, and I, if I've got a lot on, and I know Andy doesn't really approve of this, but they will just sit on their devices all day. I will let that. I mean, I know it's a bit more. It's you know, you you've Rex is Rex is on the go all the time, isn't yeah. he? So he probably it's full. Of, like I let them do it for like an hour in the morning, so I can do yoga. Because obviously Jesse's away a lot of the weekends, so I'm on my own. So I'll put them on the iPad for an hour and I'll do a bit of yoga just so I've had that moment in my day mm. but I do then try and get them out and there's obviously sometimes a lot of resistance with that and it just you know when every bit of the day feels like a battle and you just feel worn out and it's like 8am and you're like oh my yeah. god what are we gonna do all day and they won't even leave the house and they won't put their shoes on and it's all the tiny stuff that that builds up and I think you know we're all overwhelmed from the tiny tiny stuff but also the big big stuff we've all lived through mm. An absolute weird time where well, we still are, and even more weirdness, you know, now globally going on. That we're just, you know, we're we're cognitively not able to, because also like our ancestors, not only did they do a lot less, but they didn't know what was going on globally all no, the time. Of right? Not. They knew what was going on in their town, and now we can know what's going on anywhere in the world yeah. at any point. Supposedly, we don't know exactly all the yeah. information we're getting. What's true? What's not? Mm-hmm. But we're just taking it all on and carrying it around going, ah, this is so much. I don't know how mm. to deal with all of this. So I think we're all completely Ignor- and utterly overwhelmed. Ignorance is bliss. That is it something is. I say quite a lot recently. And the other thing is, Fern, I've got a new tattoo for your collection, right? I want, it to, I want you to have it somewhere where it's really easy to see. Right. And it's just going to say you are enough. Oh, yeah, I, I know I need that Every one. time you look at it, you'll go, oh, I mean, thank you. <laughs> there you go. That's your new tattoo, all right? On my no forehead. No, no, yes, no, no, it's got somewhere you can see it. Like on your wrist, you are enough. Irregular. Bitches. So, Fern, we basically wanted to start a recommendation feature on Irregular Bitches because one thing that I've noticed amongst uh, women and especially midlife women is that we're constantly swapping recommendations and telling people about a great mascara we've used or um, an amazing book we've read. So uh, we're going to start it and we're going to call it, imaginatively titled, Irregular Bitches Recommends. Let's, because you're such a reader and I've often plundered you for reading recommends, is there a book that you think is universally a book that um, it can be either Ooh. be um, fiction or self-help or whatever, or motivational, but a book that you think every midlife woman can get on board with, apart from Bigger Than Us, which is big a given. Yeah, big question. Um, I, I would say, I don't know why this has leapt into my mind, but there's a really lovely book called The Four Agreements. Oh, you told me about there? this book. It's amazing. I'm, re- I'm definitely going to read it. Ooh, I us. read it. I'm just going to get the author. He's called Don something. Um, it is, every time I read it, I feel better even if I'm like deep in a horrible emotion like shame or something like that it will get me out of it so it's by I've got it up on my phone now 
Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. Junior. Uh, right. The four agreements. I think there's even an updated one that's got a fifth agreement, I think. Ooh. I don't have that one. Um, but I would say get that book. It's just, it's it's a fiver online. The four I've agreements. Got, I've got two Audible credits. So I'm going to get that one when I've finished Bigger yeah. Than Us. Which, by the time, a little bird called Louise Mitchell told me, because I'm literally, I've got an hour left on it. I was, I've been listening to it on my runs. And she said, you get mentioned at the end. And I nearly cried. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad. I, do you know what? It oh, brings me great joy mentioning many of my friends in my books and I never tell them and I always like it to be sometimes I'll send them it with a dogged page but it's always nice to come across your name in a book oh see looks make me fill up now and I'm really glad that she <laughs> told me because otherwise I'd be crying at 5 30 in the morning on the road to, on the road to Lee <laughs> yeah exactly I love my girl <laughs> and I've told Donna I told Donna Ashworth and what we're hoping is that she will read the poem that really impacted you she'll read it for this episode I've got the book here so my Sarah sent me the book and I just read some of the poems Beautiful. and was crying it's just so gorgeous so yeah I it was a, that was a great a great gift from you, a great tip-off from you, Sarah. It was actually a tip-off from an Instagram follower. I think I'd cried because I said I had imposter syndrome when I was on telly, <laughs> like, for 15 years. And she said, you've got to read this book. And she's um, she's amazing. She's what I do, network marketing. She buys stuff off me as well. She's really supportive. She went, you've got to read this book. And, um, yeah, so it's funny. You go, So they people that become friends and then, again, Irregular Bitches recommends. It's just we were Love. all trading. So it, it's, it wasn't me. It was her. But I think she's another Sarah, though. So, listen, we're going to let you go because I know that you will have at least... Well, I bet. Well, you certainly haven't had a drink between your meeting and coming on Irregular Bitches, so you need to go and have a coffee. I'm going to go and have a coffee and then I'm about to go and do, with my friend Bryony Gordon, a 10k charity walk. So we're about oh, to are go you and today? Do that. Oh, yeah. oh, I think Bryony's amazing. We'll have to try and... I'll have to slide into her DMs and see if she'll come on. I'll ask her now. Irregular Bitches. For the first time this series, we're bringing back our incredible, irregular bitches poet, Donna Ashworth. This one is from her book, To the Women, and it's called Remember Her, and it's the one that really touched Fern. Somewhere inside of you, there's a little firecracker with her arms folded and a frown on her face. She isn't happy about all the times you said no when you wanted to say yes. All the times you said yes when you wanted to say no. She wanted you to buy that ticket. She wanted you to take the trip. She definitely wanted you to take the risk. The one that may have just opened up a whole new world. She wants you to remember what it feels like to run to the sea without a care in the world and splash and laugh till you ache. To face the day without a fear in your heart and embrace every opportunity that comes. She doesn't understand why you won't wear the bikini. She doesn't understand why you won't eat the cake. She doesn't understand why you don't let it go. She definitely doesn't understand why you accept second best. Somewhere inside of you, there is a little girl who wonders at the adult you've become. She still has many things she wants to learn and so many people still to meet. She still has food she'd like to taste and parties she wants to dance at. She still has places she wants to visit and wonders she wants to stare at. Somewhere inside of you, there is a little firecracker, desperate to see more of this thing we call life. Go get her. She's fun. 
That's all for today, ladies and gentlemen. Our thanks go to my wonderful Fern Cotton, to my husband, Andy Murray, for his editing and production expertise, and to the woman who makes me what I am, one half of a formidable podcasting duo, Miss Lou Mitchell, who always gets the last word in. (laughs) And they are. Stay cool, bitches. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.